Welcome, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson asked me what I'm thankful for this morning. What are you thankful for? I am thankful for daylight saving. You know why I'm thankful for daylight saving? Why is that? Because every year when daylight saving comes around, I get to watch the whole Queensland diaspora lose their minds and it's so much fun. Uh, yeah, why? <laughs> like, okay. Because people that live that, that far north, they just don't get daylight saving. You know, I've come to the conclusion. I've come to the conclusion about all the people who complain about daylight saving. Yeah. They're all the people who don't have lives. If you don't have a life, you complain about daylight saving. See, I'm... I'm wow, I'm, that's tough. That's, no, that's it a is. tough it call, is. but it I is. also am inclined to agree with you because think about all the things you can do outside because it's still light. Exactly. If yeah. you live in an apartment, right... Mm-hmm. You don't have a life. You live in a vertical human <laughs> filing cabinet, right? Ouch. All right. People who live in apartments don't have lives. Um, and if you live in an apartment, then aspire not to. I don't mind you living in an apartment. I've lived in an apartment. I just, while I did, I aspired not to. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's the whole point. Okay, so aspire not to. That's the good thing to do. But if you live in an apartment, daylight saving is just a pain in the neck because you're not doing anything with that extra daylight anyway. What purpose does it serve? Yeah. Yeah, totally. If you don't have an outside life, daylight saving serves no purpose. If you're just the kind of person who goes to work, comes home, and sits in front of a screen when you get home, daylight saving is a pain in the neck. But if you have a life, <laughs> if you're out on your motorbike, <laughs> yep, or building a house, or growing a f- orchard, or have cows or something or other, if mm. you actually have a life, daylight saving is the best thing it's ever. Fantastic. If you like to sit on your on your front porch and have dinner outside with the sun just sort of, you know, getting low on the horizon, daylight saving is amazing. Oh, dude, even like, you know, walking on the beach. like Exactly. We live in Newcastle. Going it's fishing. a city. Going fishing. Doing anything. Go outside. Yes. Live your best life. That's it. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. <laughs> Let's have some uh, positively different news. Posi- okay. Lyle. Yes. Did you watch the grand final on the weekend? I did not. You didn't? No. It was Okay, like so I am like not a massive footy fan either. My dad <laughs> my dad is like a diehard Newcastle Knights fan because we're from Newcastle. His thing is like he's like the most patriotic, like nationalistic person. Like he's <laughs> yes. like you know, he's from his hometown is is Toronto, like and then specifically Black Holes in Toronto. And he's like it, you know, Lawson, it goes Blackalls, Toronto, Newcastle, New South Wales, Australia, and even if it comes to it, Earth. Like, he's just like, <laughs> that's who we go for. And then in any sporting competition, it's, okay, if we're not in it, then it's whoever's closest to us. You know, he's just got that. Oh, okay. That so level. if we're not in it, then you support New Zealand. Then it's New Zealand. If it's if it's not New Zealand, then it's a PNG. If it's not PNG, then it, I don't know. PNG's a lot closer. So probably should be, be, be PNG before New Zealand. Potentially, yeah. But essentially, like, like he'll even go for Tasmania on occasion if they're the only ones to represent. <laughs> even Tasmania. Even Tas- he would stoop that low. <laughs> That's right. But, he, yeah, he's like a footy diehard. And so I watched the, the grand final with him, and it yes. was like an epic game. Like, it, it was 14-12. At- this is the one where they held back COVID lockdowns so that they could have the game right. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> COVID didn't exist. Let's just let COVID rip for a couple of days. Oh, I saw a satirical news article that was like, um, oh, it was like, 
it was like COVID in fear after grand final outbreak or something like that. <laughs> Just this idea that, yeah, COVID doesn't exist when, when a grand final is coming up. But ultimately, they ran the grand final. It was a fantastic game. Like, it was 14-12 in the end. So, literally a field goal apart. So, really came down to the wire. Super intense game. Like, two of the best teams just going at it. And um, But the really amazing part for me to watch is... You know, the Panthers win. And it's the ultimate redemption story. They got to the finals last year. They lost to the Storm. This year, they beat the Storm in the semi. Like, just fair and squared. You know, not what, not because of missing plays, not anything. Beat the Storm. Get to the finals against the Rabbitohs and win. Um, and you've got this group of young Islanders, soon as the game finish, all get down on their knees on national TV and just start praying. And giving glory this to God. This is really becoming a thing amongst Christians these days. Yeah. And I'm wondering whether some of it is driven by the fact that Christians are under a lot more heat than what they used to be. And so it actually has done the opposite of what people intended to do. And it has emboldened Christians. And they see one or two other Christians standing up. And you've got the same thing when the when Fiji won in the Olympics and they all sang a hymn together and then prayed. Mm. And the commentators had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Um, and uh, you've got, and, and you know, people like that going out and setting an example. Now others are following. And honestly, like this is some of the best, like role model ambassadorship I've ever seen. Like particularly this this group of islanders, like they're all Penrith boys. Like they're all from that area in Sydney. Um, they're da- uh, the dad of one of the players is the pastor for one of the churches down there. There, like they're serious, like community men. Yeah, and we need to. We really need to pray for these guys, and particularly, you know, we need to pray for our celebrities mm. because whether we like it or not, our celebrities become role models in our community, and mm. so often our footballers are the wrong kind of role models. Definitely, and I think that we often forget to pray for them. You know, the Bible says that we need to pray for our leaders, yeah, and rarely do we pray for our leaders. Rarely mm. do we do what the Bible says there, but we need to pray for our celebrities. Yeah, but. It- it's just powerful, you know. They're just like praying, they're getting down, and then it comes, you know, they're doing, they start doing their rounds of interviews as it, like things are quieting out. And you've got these guys stepping up to the mic saying things like, you know, I just give all glory to God at this time for leading me to this point in my life, you know, for blessing me with family, for blessing me with opportunity, all these different things. And, and, and yeah, for me watching that, I'm just thinking of like these guys are from like, yeah, rough parts of Sydney. Like, yeah, I used to live there. Growing up as like poor kids. 21 years I lived in Western Sydney. Dude, and and they've made it. And then they're like, they're not only like, you know, it's it's one thing to give maybe a a, a role model perspective of, oh, this is what you can make of your life if you if you do something. But furthermore, it's like you can make something you like of your life, but also follow Jesus. Like this is what they're really showing. And I, I can just imagine like, you know, because everyone in Penrith would have been watching that game, like seriously, yes, like this they would is, have been. This is huge. It's the first time they've won the grand final since two thousand three, and I can just imagine young people, you know, back in Penrith, seeing their heroes stand up for God and the amazing influence that it is. I, I was just, I was so proud. Like watching it as a Christian, I was like, this is the best way to use this platform. Like praise the Lord for these people. And so um, hopefully from here, you know, they're, they're already like doing such amazing work um, to help people in this area. Um, so 
hopefully from here we just hear it continue. Yes, and let's pray that these guys continue to be good role models in the community. Yeah, amen. There's a lot of temptation when you are a celebrity. There's a lot of pressure when you're a celebrity. It's very easy to come unstuck as a celebrity. And so we really need to keep these guys in our prayers and remember them always, uh, that they will stay strong and that they will grow in their Christian experience. Definitely. Amen. All right, in other news... Well, it's happening. No, I say this a lot. No, um, this is more of a, this is less of it. It's happening story. It's more just like, okay, that makes sense. Ford has um, pumped $11.4 billion into building a new electric vehicle plant. This will create 11,000 jobs. This is in the um, area. Um, this is in the state of Tennessee. We're, again, we're just seeing the expansion of the electric market. They will be making, you know, electric Ford F-150s and, uh, e, you know, electric transit vans, muckies, and they're even um, at the moment um, developing a potential, you know, truck, like a, like a, uh, what, a freight truck kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yes. Um, so, yeah, this is like a huge step for them. And simultaneously, um, we've got COP26 going on at the moment in the UK. And Boris Johnson has said by 2035, the entirety of the UK will be run on clean energy. That's not a bad. That's a. That's not a bad. That's a pretty big. That's that a big is, call. That is. That's that a is big a call. massive call. Like from twenty fifty to twenty thirty five. So they've reduced fifteen years off the target. Yes. And he's like, no, we're going to get this done. Wow. And I'm sure that you know this. This will be and that's, added to it. Yeah, that's a significant nation. You know, Australia is pretty insignificant as far as the world goes because our industry is so small. But you know, the UK that's a pretty significant yeah. nation right there. There's a lot of pollution coming out of that country. So uh, it will be good to see the world become a cleaner place. Let's hope that it becomes cleaner when Jesus comes. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so uh, a couple of quick points as we get started on news. Of course, uh, New Zealand has failed on their elimination strategy of COVID and have now moved to vaccination as their primary strategy rather than lockdowns and contact tracing. So... Yes, Delta, as predicted, has conquered everything that uh, New Zealand has been able to throw at it. However, the big story that we have to cover this morning is in relationship to Facebook and the United States uh, 60 Minutes version of, uh, or the, 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 yeah, 60 Minutes US version, uh, just doing a big investigative uh, Mm. piece on Facebook looking at the algorithms that are used within Facebook and when they're switched on and when they're switched off. And so the documents that have been released or leaked, I should say, to the media, and there's a massive amount of these documents that have been leaked by uh, Frances, I've forgotten her last name, I do have it here somewhere in a moment, but uh, she was working in the area of Facebook that is responsible for creating algorithms to stop things like rabble-rousing, rioting and... Mm you know, so forth, and basically hate, stopping the growth of hate because Facebook, you know, social media creates a echo box, creates Mm. an echo box where you only only see the content that you like, you only see the content that agrees with you, and what it does is that when you take a certain position on something, it increases your level of, you know, agro-ness in relationship to that 
particular position. Yeah, because it throws at you content that is going to make you more angry. That's right, because that's all you see. Like that's, that's your right. only perspective. That's right. It figures out who you are, and it figures out your left wing or your right wing or your whatever other wing. It figures out what your uh, your your favorite things are. You know, yours probably throws at you electric vehicles and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and it will. That's what it does. Mm. It just feeds what you already believe. Totally. And so because of that, it can be very, very dangerous. And Mm. it can be, well, a lot of people have predicted that social media will be what starts the Third World War, if there is a Third World War. Interesting. So they've got these algorithms, and the reason that they have these algorithms is not because they have a conscience, but because they're afraid of lawsuits. Yeah. And so, but they switch the algorithms on and off in ways that uh, enable them to make money because the more angst there is in society, the more anger, the more hatred there is in society, the more people keep coming back and consuming the information that is being provided on Facebook. And so it's a catch-22 because by switching the algorithms off, you are able to make much more money but you run the risk of a lawsuit. Yeah, you lessen the well-being of the people on That's your right. platform. Yeah. Absolutely. And, of course, you know, we looked at last week how uh, the Facebook has been aware for a very, very long time that they have been destroying the, the lives of teenage girls with their algorithms and have been doing nothing about it because those algorithms have been making them lots of money. By the way, when we talk about making money, uh, a year ago they made $56 billion. Oh, wow. Billion dollars. Yeah. Twelve months later, they made one hundred nineteen billion dollars. Doubled it in twelve months. <sighs> you know, when you're making billions of dollars and you double it, that is absolutely massive. Mm. Okay, so the latest bombshell that has been released, uh, that has been discovered as a result of these leaked documents, is that just after the federal election in the United States, when Biden came to power, guess what they did? Switched off the algorithm. Guess what happened? Capitol Hill riot. Just like that. That is so. If so you intense. want to, if you want to create a riot, if you want to target a particular uh, group that is prone to uh, being targeted, Facebook has the ability to do that. I want you to think about how scary that is. You've got a private company here that can actually manipulate society just by switching an algorithm on or off. That is wild. This really I'm wild like, stuff. I am like, I am shocked. This is like a real big lid blown off here. Like, uh huh, uh huh. So you get 150 days of rioting from you know BLM and all that kind of stuff, and then you have the election. You wait until the election happens. Boom! You switched off, and bang! You get a right from the other side. Wow. It's pretty That's wild so stuff. So hectic. It is. It is. Uh, and so, yeah, it's kind of like now that this stuff has been leaked out, of course, Facebook is going to um, probably go after Frances Hagen uh, was the lady. She was a data scientist who was working. She actually applied to work in Facebook and she wanted to work in that area that actually built the algorithms that restricted the information that was going out that was creating angst and was creating mm-hmm. hate and rabble-rousing and all that kind of stuff because she'd lost a very close friend to conspiracy theories and so this was something that she had a burden for and when she got there she realised that actually the algorithm was being manipulated so that they could make money and control politics. That is so insane. And so she like took like 37,000 documents and just leaked it to the media. 
And now, of course, Facebook's going to be coming after her big time. But dude, I am like, like, I'm scared for her life, bro. This is like, <laughs> this is like. Well, the thing is, when you're going to do something that dangerous, you've got to go, 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 go big or go home. And she did. Uh, because well, we know about you, it. That's right. Because if you don't, then your life is actually under more danger. Totally. So by going this big, now if they go after her life, it's just a bit too obvious. Yeah, she, you know. Yeah, if, if she winds up dead in the next couple of days, then that's not the way accusing Facebook of doing something like that. No. But it, but it's like that's the re- but you could say you could say it about anything, like whether it's her, you know, yeah. Anyway, what is in your school library? When I was in primary school, we had books in our library like Spot the Dog. Yeah, Spot the Dog was a white dog with large black blotches. I spent very minimal time in my school library <laughs> while. <laughs> I, I was a total bookworm. So anyway, a mother recently decided that she would investigate her school library and found that there was pornographic material promoting pedophilia and she's called the school out on it. Uh, two, bo- two books, one called Lawn Boy and the other book called Genderqueer. So rather than having spot the dog... This is the kind of books that we're giving Wait, your kids these days. Wait, is this in days. Australia? Uh, this was in the United States. Okay. Um, and these two books contained descriptions and images of men having sex with year four students. That is disgusting. So there's a bunch of questions that sort of, you know, going through my mind. And the first, of course, is, you know, we were always told that when we, you know, went down the path of degendered marriage, it was not a slippery slope. Well, yeah, that certainly wasn't the case. Uh, but in this rush for inclusiveness, we've got rid of Spot the Dog and we've replaced it with Genderqueer. So my question is, why do children need porn? Uh, they don't. Uh, my second question is, who selected this pedophilic, pedophile material to put in the school library and why haven't they been imprisoned for that? Yeah, wow. Well. Surely giving pedophile pornography Material is child grooming and the yep. person responsible should go to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, who wrote this material and why have they not been jailed for writing child porn? It's illegal to take photos of children. Mm. Why is it not illegal to write images of it and to draw those images? Uh, so how are all these people not in jail? The, the next question is who audits the school libraries. Mm. Is it up to the parents now to audit the school school libraries? And my last question is this. What is in your school library mm. where your kids are and where they go when they want to read a book? I used to go spend a lot of time in my school library. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Right now, we're going to go to our interview with Dr. John Ashton. John, are you there with us? Uh, yes. Hi. John, great G'day, John. to hear from you. Now, we're going to be, like like always, talking about all you know manner of scientific topics that we do here on Faith FM. But today, we're going to be specifically talking about global warming. Yes, yes this is a, um, a fairly controversial uh, topic at the moment that mm. is certainly getting quite a lot of people excited, particularly young people. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, so uh, we'd like to just get a real, you know, obviously we're a Christian radio station, we get a spiritual perspective, but we'd love to, from you, as we usually do, just get that spiritual, um, but 
uh, also scientific perspective on global warming because I feel like this is a contentious topic. Uh, you know, there are so many people who are like, oh, yes, this is a matter of fact. It's it's true. Um, you know, I tend to fall more in that category. There are, But there are a fair number of people who are like, no, this isn't real. This is the government. What is the what is the scientific perspective? What has been your perspective on this? And, and yeah, just share with us. Let's Let's go through and break it down, global warming. Yeah, sure. Okay, well, one of the issues that we have with regard to the global warming um, situation is that uh, many of the scientists that are are commenting uh, on it and also the political views um, are not coming from a biblical perspective. They're coming from a very long-age evolutionary perspective perspective. and uh, they've ignored the, the biblical account of the flood. Now, one of the things that uh, the biblical account of the flood is actually one of the best uh, scientific ways to explain the ice ages. So mm-hmm. we need to understand that there are no real satisfactory scientific models to explain the ice ages that have occurred in the past. And we have overwhelming evidence uh, geologically for ice ages in the past and and so forth. Mm. So we need to bear this in mind. And one of the reasons uh, is, of course, that during the flood, we know that there was a lot of volcanic action. And, of course, we can see that when we just travel around, too. There are extinct volcanoes everywhere Mm. on every continent. Uh, lava flows uh, that have uh, formed about uh, dikes and sills, these sort of things. So there was a lot of volcanic activity on the surface of the earth in the in the past. Also, we know that there's been massive massive movements of the the earth's crust. For example, we find you know fossils on the tops of mountains, whale fossils on the top of mountains in Peru, you know uh, seashells mm. up on Mount Everest and so forth, and so. We know that this has uh, occurred um, in the past, and this is a model really that the world, uh, the typical worldview, doesn't um, doesn't hold. Now, one of the other things is let's look at the facts then that we have. Now, one of the things that um, we look at today is what, how. How much has the Earth's temperature warmed, say, in the past 120 years, say, since 1900? Well, when you look at the data, and anybody can look this up, uh, you know, look it up on Wikipedia or Google or whatever, the Earth's temperature is, has risen about a degree since, uh, well, 1.1 1, 1. 1 degree, something like that, on average since 1900. Mm-hmm. And putting this in the perspective, the ocean temperature hasn't risen as much. It's risen about 0.7 of a degree from memory, mm-hmm. whereas the land temperature has maybe risen about one and a half degrees, something like that. So there's a bit of a difference. So it's, it's quite a complicated issue measuring this global warming, uh, area. So, but let's put this into historical perspective, right? So mm. at the moment we're saying it's about one and a bit degrees warmer than it was 120 years ago. But if we go back to the Roman period, right, between the year, say, AD 1 and 400, there's a lot of uh, evidence. Matter of fact, a research paper was published only uh, last year, I think, in Nature, which is the world's top science journal. 
that during that period, Earth temp- well, temperatures in the Mediterranean area where they were studying was two degrees above the current area uh, temperature. In other words, two degree, uh, three degrees warmer than it was back wow. in 1900. Right, so this was during the Roman uh, period, the peak of the Roman Empire in the first three centuries, three or four centuries AD. Mm-hmm. The other thing was there was another very warm period, which is referred to as the medieval warm period, or also the medieval climate anomaly, which was a period between 950 and 1300 AD, again, when it was very warm. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, there was another period that has been as known scientifically as the Little Ice Age, which occurred between 1300 and 1870. And that was a period where there was a period of very cold, the shorter crop growing season caused flamines, pagues, and, and, and widespread poverty. And I remember there was a, um, uh, a, a Turkish leader, well, I'm not, uh, uh, Turkey wasn't, of course, formed then, but he was a, a, um, a military uh, leader uh, during that period from that area in um, in uh, uh, Western Asia there that um, was, had conquered part of Europe and uh, North Africa and was moving across to China and uh, his, his army was virtually unstoppable. This was in the 13-1400 period. Mm. And uh, then suddenly, he's, overnight, there was a massive cold snap and his army was frozen to death, mm. and that saved China. So we need to remember that we've had these cycles in, in the past. Um, again, uh, looking at the carbon dioxide content, this is another thing. Now. So the other thing that people are looking at with... Um, global warming is the carbon dioxide content of the atmosphere is increasing due to the burning of fossil fuels. So, um, And, of course, this there have been some uh, increases in the carbon dioxide content of the atmosphere as well. So back around about uh, 1900 or so, we estimate that the carbon dioxide content of the air and what we can measure was about 280 parts per million. Mm-hmm. It now has increased up to about, I think the latest measurements I saw from early this year was about 420 parts per million. So people have become you know, quite alarmed with from 280 to uh, 420. Mm-hmm. But again, we need to put this in perspective of what some of the levels have been in the past. So... In the scientific uh, period that we call the Cambrian, which is where we find the lowest levels of, of the, the fossils, the evidence that we had there, again from other measurements, was that the carbon dioxide content in the atmosphere at that time was about 4,000 parts uh, per million. In other words, 10 times higher wow. than the current level. And this makes a lot of sense when we think too, uh, and, and studies in subsequent periods um, in the geological time put the carbon dioxide level as about uh, uh, 2,000 parts per million, which is five times the current level approximately. And we need to remember too that the carbon dioxide content must have been much higher in the past because look at all the massive forests that have been buried as our current coal deposits everywhere. Mm. We know that in the past the earth was much warmer. 
there were these massive, um, you know, forests at that at that particular time. And so, we when we look at these uh, things too, and the other thing that we need to watch uh, to bear in mind is that if the carbon dioxide content level of the atmosphere dropped to below about 180 parts per million, then photosynthesis would stop. Plants would not function properly. So plants need carbon dioxide. So we're only sort of, you know, just above that level. Now, it's very interesting that there are over, you know, 500 uh, climate change uh, experts in the world um, the other year wrote to um, the um, uh, United Nations about this uh, saying, look, that they don't see that there's a climate emergency. Sure, there's changes, but they don't see mm. it as a climate emergency. Um, and um, so what is happening is there's a scientific view and then there is a consensus view. So a lot of the um, environmental uh, people are, are saying, well, hang on, you know, there's this consensus. Well, remember, consensus isn't science. Mm-hmm. And this is the same thing in the theory of evolution. There's no evidence for evolution that can prove that, you know, solely from some primitive organism, you know, all the different types of animals and plants evolved up to us. That, and where, what they have to claim is a consensus because there's no scientific evidence. So it's the same with this global warming situation to a degree. Mm-hmm. And the alarmist view is essentially... Uh, it's interesting that some commentators have written, and just read a quote here, without a doubt the worldview driving alarmism is not Christian, it is humanism and neo-Marxist. It is a mm. Babel mentality. People seem to think they can be like God. And wow. so um, this is a, you know, a very, very interesting aspect. And I think one of the things that we should really be concerned about is uh, deforestation. The yes. clearing of forests yes. around yeah. the world, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the pollution of the oceans, these are far greater serious issues than the global warming. Mm-hmm. And we need to, um, you know, I was talking to a colleague who is a world um, authority, um, he's a, a, an ornithologist, a world authority on certain species of birds, and he's saying that there's been massive illegal clearing of forests in Russia uh, by, you know, mafia associated organizations that are taking these trees out massively, uh, shipping them to other countries illegally. Um, and this is destroying some of the habitat of certain birds. Um, we see massive deforestation in Madagascar, uh, that was once a jungle covered island. Now it's largely cleared. We've seen a whole lot of, I understand, reports of illegal logging going on in New Guinea at the present time. We know that there's massive clearing in the Amazon. Now, these are very, very serious issues because these trees produce massive amounts of oxygen. And this is very important for the uh, balance. Mm. Um, another uh, thing that is just getting traction at the moment, and some of the listeners may be interested in seeing um, the documentary Kiss the Earth, um, which is um, about our farming methods, so, uh, the car- farming methods where we till the soil and break up the soil and release a lot of the carbon that is uh, trapped in the root systems is not ideal as well. We can have much greater productivity in our soils 
if we utilise farming methods that preserve the root structure in the soil and um, the uh, the microorganisms that are trapped in the soil and, and this sort of thing. And we know this also affects the CO2 oxygen balance. The more plants that we can grow by 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 tilling the land and having these vast areas of just bare soil for long periods of time while we're waiting for the fresh seeds to grow rather than keeping uh, covers there. We need to um, look at different farming methods there and there's a new process, a new push for what they call regenerative farming um, to actually preserve this. So these are a much more, in, in, you know, important concerns. Deforestation, our current agricultural methods need to be improved. Reducing pollution and acidification of our uh, oceans with uh, con- pollutants and contaminants. Mm. Another thing that we don't often think about, which is probably far more serious too, is depletion of the ozone layer. Um, because that allows in a lot of ultraviolet light. And if we have too much ultraviolet light coming in, that will kill plants. Yeah. Well. Um, and this is, um, you know, we've, we've, we've fortunately cut back on the uh, fluorocarbons that were used in refrigerants and a lot of the propellants in, in cans. But there's a lot of other things that we're still doing in different types of uh, solvents that we're using that are evaporating. Uh, water chlorination, where we chlorinate our water, that uh, all that chlorine eventually either ends up as organics, which are not generally poisonous, or evaporates out. And chlorine, again, you know, destroys the ozone layer. So there are a lot of other more important things that we can do to clean up our environment. Now, certainly burning fossil fuels is not ideal. It's like heavy metals in coal, these sort of things that can produce local um, pollution issues as well. Um, but I think the the bottom line is that the, um, you know, the... This global warming thing is more a political issue than a scientific issue. And it's, from what I can see from different documentaries, it's a, it's a global issue. There was a Christian documentary produced a few years ago, back in 2016, called The Agenda, Grinding America Down. And, uh, it actually won, um, an award for the best, uh, Christian documentary produced in 2016. And in that documentary, they interview a lot of uh, high-profile people, mainly in the United States and and from some different countries as well. And they highlight that there is certainly a very strong anti-Christian agenda associated with a lot of these with a lot of these uh, movements. And that would be a very interesting film, I think, for listeners to watch. It's called The Agenda: Grinding America Down. Um, and is that on, is that on Netflix, John? How, how do people? It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Um, you can watch it uh, on the internet. You can see previews just by googling the agenda, grinding America down, um, and these uh, other environmental issues. Um, I, I was quite surprised when I saw that, and I thought, oh, man, this is a bit sensational, you know. So I began looking up some of the stuff, the people concerned, their qualifications and so forth, and I thought, oh, wow, this is wow, this is amazing. This is uh, going on right now. John, so I think that, um, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, th- this is amazing <laughs> this information. Is epic, epic. But we are quickly running out of time. Just quickly, what did we get to before? Like, incredibly eye-opening stuff. And now I believe that you are... I've learned more from John. 
in these last 10, 12 minutes than I have in the last 20 years on this subject. <laughs> yeah, Praise the Lord, John. So I need to have you on our program, on our on our Looking Up program on a Wednesday afternoon. Are you available, John, between 3.30 and 5.30? Uh, yeah, well, you'll have to send me an email about that. We can discuss that offline. <laughs> Fantastic. This is amazing because I, I, I really want to connect this with you on our program from a spiritual end-time worship perspective, John. So I've got a keen interest in that. But anyway. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.